Well, thanks so much, Joe, for, for joining me today. I, I truly appreciate it. And I'm, I'm really excited to kind of dive into a, a lot of what's going on in the world. And, and you've kind of seen it firsthand sort of day to day dealing with sort of philanthropy and giving back and crypto and kind of all the things that go along with this ever changing sort of world that we're in. Uh, but let's first real quick, talk a little bit about your journey, how you got to crypto, how you got to Coinbase. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Re- really, really nice to talk. Yeah. So my background is is very much not in the uh, in the nonprofit world. Uh, I'm, I'm a I like to say I'm a classically trained computer scientist. Um, started out as an engineer, did uh, other things at, at a number of big companies for the first half of my career, and the second half was spent uh, primarily as a as a bootstrapping entrepreneur. Started a, a couple of companies, one of which was modestly successful. We sold to Twitter. Another was very much a um, very much not successful. Uh, but in the process of founding that, I uh, was able to connect with Brian Armstrong through a, mm-hmm. a mutual investor, uh, Y Combinator, actually also an incubator. Yep. Um, and as 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 we were winding down the last company, I was sort of considering what was next. And, and at, at that time, Brian was starting up uh, Give Crypto, which was which was his charity at the time. Like many other people around that time frame, around 2017, 2018, had, had sort of fallen down the, the, the crypto uh, mm-hmm. rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> and it seemed like a very, a very interesting, uh, and, and specifically what, what, what he was trying to do with the charity was a very interesting problem to solve. It didn't require much um, much consideration or contemplation. Uh, it, it seemed like a, a wonderful next step. What did you have to like you said, you didn't come from sort of the nonprofit sort of world. So what was your initial kind of response and read on the sector in general when you kind of looked at it and kind of dove into it and all of a sudden you're sort of in it day to day? Was there was there anything that jumped out to you that said, oh, this is going to work really well because there's so many ping points and whether it's philanthropy, giving back, and just in general, the whole sector is behind when it comes to, to tech. So what kind of surprised you when you kind of just dove into the nonprofit sector initially? I, I don't know if I totally agree with that. There, there, there clearly are some old stodgy nonprofits out there, just like there's some old stodgy for profits, sure. Um, but but many people I've met are actually really really on it, and you know, in in some respects, really on, on the bleeding edge, and and both thinking about and doing, you know, very very impressive things. My my feeling though, and p- part of what what uh, what got me excited about the opportunity was that it actually uh, it doesn't feel much like a charity or what I would have thought right. a charity would have felt like. Uh, right. Brian is obviously an entrepreneur. He he wanted to run the startup or, the, or run the charity kind of like a startup, um, and I think that's why he chose somebody like myself, uh, who's you know obviously got a lot more startup experience than, than charity experience. And you know we are, are we're a small team. It's it's myself and and basically two software mm-hmm. developers. Most of our work revolves around you know like like any technology startup would or like most technology startups are around using using software to get to get leverage and ultimately uh you know get scalability uh so we just happen to be doing it in in the towards the end of giving money away mm-hmm. not necessarily making money uh right. but you know in, in in many respects it's it's very much like an early stage startup so when somebody asks you what give crypto is how do you explain it to them yeah i mean i i usually present it in in the form of of this uh philosophical battle uh or or i mean so the short answer is uh we try to help people in need by by making direct crypto transfers. And, and I, I think that the, the best way to couch that is within the, the larger, like I said, um, uh, philosophical debate uh, around direct cash transfers. Um, mm-hmm. as, as you probably know very well, uh, there's this interesting uh, debate going on where um, traditional uh, some might say uh, paternalistic charities mm-hmm. feel that uh, that people who who are in in tough situations can't really be I don't know if trust is the right word but but need need to have some decisions made for them let's say in terms of of what exactly they should be giving given is is it you know s- sending them a piece of livestock like a cow or a pig is it building a school mm-hmm. is it 
right. providing you know mosquito nets or, or what have you, uh, all of which are very, very, very you know noble, no, noble, noble things to do for people. But uh, there's there's a a new and and you know growing body of evidence to suggest that it's effective uh, approach where. No, 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 no. The most effective way to help people is just by giving them money. Uh, they almost always spend it on something that is objectively good. Um, and who knows their own needs better than the person themselves. Uh, so just give them money. In our case, we're, we're giving them money in the form of cryptocurrency, uh, which we believe also has some, some additional benefits in terms of, of uh, onboarding these people into this new financial system that, uh, that, that may position them uh, for position that much better for, for, you know, long-term financial independence. So like in, in sort of the real world, right. Day-to-day individuals living in, in sort of certain areas, is it after sort of disasters? Is, is there a certain, I guess, sort of scenario that is sort of often used for this? And then I believe that the money is given into a fund, right. And then the fund at Give Crypto allocates that based on what exactly, right? Like how does it yeah, get yeah, distributed? Yeah. So you're, yeah, you're asking, how do we decide who we give money to? Correct. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're like any charity, we, we, we raise money uh, from donors. Um, that, that money is held in, in our treasury. Um, and then the, the, the challenging and I think really interesting question is, how do we decide who gets our money? That's And, and that's a really hard question to answer. Um, the way other direct cash transfer charities do that is generally they, they hire teams of people to, to have boots on the ground to the places where they want to help. And these people do you know, a lot of this targeting manually by like knocking on doors and, mm-hmm. and doing follow-up spot checks and whatnot to make sure the money is being used uh, to see what it's being used for and what have you. Our, as as a, a, a technology organization, you know, a, la, a, a tech startup, we, we want to try to use software uh, for a lot of that, what we've what we've started or what we've um, settled on is uh, this model that we call the ambassador model. Uh, mm-hmm. The idea behind this is that we uh, find uh, people who live in the communities where we want to help. We call ambassadors. They tell us based on their local knowledge and local understanding who in their community really is in need, and then we send cryptocurrency directly to the people that the ambassadors identify for us. Uh, the ambassadors also help with some uh, let's call it kind of tech support onboarding. Um, it, it is a little tough to use the technology when at first. Uh, so the ambassador, you know, helps the recipient download a wallet, uh, maybe right. make their first transfer and whatnot. But but uh, it it, it uh, we've done we've done this a lot, and we've we've tested different kind of levels of of, of training and handholding, and it takes a lot less training than you'd think. Uh, to bring to to get someone um, comfortable with the technology. My other question would be when they actually do get it right. Let's say you receive you know ninety five dollars or whatever currency it is within their native country. How would they then like use it right? Because then it you can't just go to a store right and <laughs> get food for your family or, or go yeah, buy yeah, I mean, something. So what's sort of that yeah. hurdle right now that people face? Yeah, yeah. Right now, that's that. That really is a challenge. We're, we've we've done some previous programs where we've targeted very very specific geographic areas, like you know a few square miles. And in those cases, uh, a good chunk of our effort was around was was around recruiting stores, places where yeah. they'll, they'll be willing to accept payment in in, in the the currency we happen to be using. Uh, finding cash out partners, pe- people on the ground who would convert the cryptocurrency in, into local fiat so they could spend it on whatever they needed. What we've noticed though is as I mean, we're still. Uh, I believe we're still very early days, so there there isn't a, a vibrant ecosystem uh, in in most of the world. But there are a few services that provide peer to peer exchange. And what that means is there's another human being, uh, usually in the same country or at least in the same region, willing 
to, you know, in, in the case of, of trying to, to turn your crypto into cash, they're they are effectively buying your crypto from you and then giving you some some form of, of fiat currency in exchange. And and almost every country on the planet has uh, some some agents or some reps from these different different P2P services. These are things like local bitcoins or local cryptos. Uh, basically, just it's almost like a like an eBay or a Craigslist mm, for for people gotcha. buying and selling crypto. Um, so I th- that's how a lot of our recipients will will convert their their crypto into cash. Uh, but we've also seen some really interesting uh, kind of emergent behavior where uh, again when there's a certain amount of, of density in certain regions, people will just pay each other uh, in the crypto we we send them. Right. Um, we'll, we we've also seen when when we have stores that accept payments in crypto, the stores end up holding on to a, a, a decent amount, and in some cases preferring to hold on to, especially in places like Venezuela whatnot with hyperinflation, right. prefer to hold on to the crypto versus convert it into uh, into the local currency that that's almost certainly going to be devalued. Um, additionally, we've seen some really encouraging, uh, albeit small, but really encouraging examples where sometimes when the you know the stores end up accumulating quite a bit of, of, of crypto, there in, in a few cases they were able to actually pay their suppliers in crypto for for more yeah. inventory, which is a really interesting example of kind of crypto working its way up the up the supply chain. Interesting, and that's the next question I have is with stores and merchants. How difficult has that been or, or has it not been that as difficult as you might have thought it was been to sort of get them on board with, you know, taking it, right? That's the, yeah, I mean, that's was, the big, was, biggest hurdle in all this. Once that happens, then it's game over, right? For sure. For sure. It was less difficult than we thought. Again, this this is in, in the programs. Right now, our programs are worldwide, so there's less geographic density. Um, so it's, it's more difficult now. But in in the, the programs when we had really when we were targeting a very specific area, it was a lot easier than you'd think. You'd basically, uh, we'd have someone on the ground, and this is it happened to be in Venezuela. Go, go and talk to the different stores and bodegas and say, uh, you know, we've got this, we've got this program we're doing. We're sending pe- people in the area a lot of money. Do you want to be one of the places where they can spend it? And more often than not, the store owner, who's you know a entrepreneur himself or herself. They get it pretty quickly, and they're like, "Yeah, actually, it would be." And and usually, what happens is, um, we we would help them uh, for their first few transactions. They would they would immediately convert it to local currency, um, and, and we we would help them do that. Then what they'd start doing is 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 start converting it themselves to local currency. But then once they saw they could do that kind of whenever they wanted, they start thinking, "Hmm, maybe I should hold on to this a little bit longer." Um, and you see this interesting kind of uh, evolution of of attitudes towards towards this 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 new new asset, uh, where they they start out very skeptical. And, and wanting to get out of this as possible and, and then kind of almost become hodlers in their own right. Have you worked or you or your team worked with nonprofits or is it all done via ambassadors or is, does some conversations happen with actual sort of local nonprofits or even bigger nonprofits maybe within sort of a similar space? Yeah, we've had a bunch of conversations. You know, this is this is sort of uh, this is sort of you know the topic du jour right now across all sorts of industries. The other the other nonprofits, you know, uh, are are looking into it pretty aggressively. We haven't done anything formal with any large nonprofits like name brand nonprofits. Sure, we have done a few one off uh, trials with with much smaller organizations, and I think that that's that's probably pretty normal for 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 profits too. There's some sort of generic uh, advice from you know just generally within startup land. And that uh, you know, very few partnerships between really small and very really big companies bear fruit for both sides. Uh, usually, it's it's a uh, it's it's one or the other. Usually, the big one that's benefiting more than the little one. Uh, they, they end up getting kind of kind of uh, overpowered. Um, and and I, I, I having talked to a number of larger ones, I, I I get a similar feeling from there that there's just a you know a, a big organization 
is is almost a totally different beast from a small one. They like have a different language. They have a different urgency. They have a different kind of cadence to them. And it's it's oftentimes very difficult for those two different beasts to to you know get along and 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 partner. You had mentioned uh, Venezuela and. Obviously, El Salvador is going through quite a transition as we speak right now. Is there other countries that you've seen sort of adopted, uh, maybe that people don't know about or, or should maybe maybe understand a bit more? Well, I, I think adopt is a very loaded word. Uh, yeah, you know, it yeah. could be argued no country has really adopted. Uh, <laughs> I meant not the country. Yet. I just meant the people, yeah. the, the yeah, population, well, the citizens. So what, what we, what, I mean, we thought long and hard about the the right the right places to do this because, frankly, we're still very early, um, mm-hmm. and we don't want to give crypto in a situation where it would be better just to give local cat fiat. Right. Uh, you know, we don't we don't want to use this technology just for the technology's sake. A lot of our early work and even even some of work now is 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 based on the hypothesis that uh, crypto has highest likelihood high, highest likelihood to help in places where something fundamental is broken, mm-hmm. uh, like like broken mm-hmm. money with hyperinflation, um, like broken government with which you know one one really good and really sad example is refugee camps. So we've done a fair mm-hmm. amount of work mm-hmm. inside of refugee camps where there there really isn't any any rule of law. Uh, right. and, and in some cases, currencies actually are, are, are forbidden by the, 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 the people running the camps. We've also done some, some you know, rather interesting, also rather, rather heartbreaking work uh, around um, with broken families, with victims of domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. the idea there is that you can actually use crypto's sort of, um, sort of covert characteristic uh, to give some, some resources to victims who are in active situations in, in, in active abuse situations where um, they oftentimes the, the abuser uses, you know, financial just as much as they use physical to, to, yeah. to, 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 to the victim. And, and, yeah. and they're there. It's, it's, it's many times very difficult. If you're using traditional financial infrastructure, it's very difficult to get financial help to, to the victim. Crypto, on the other hand, we can, we can, you know, send it right to their phone and it's not, it's not undetectable, but it's much, much more difficult to detect, you know, compared to like opening up a bank of America account for, for, somebody and you know uh good old b of a as they always do as soon as you open up an account they'll start sending you you know cross marketing and up marketing sure, sure. uh flyers and and you know that that can that can raise some eyebrows if somebody's trying to uh monitor your activities i want to talk a little bit about you know maybe successes right or goals or like what the mission might be if we look three to five years down the road i know that's tough to do right now but what does success look like we, we, we've got pretty ambitious plans the, the the hope is to be helping millions of people uh and, and increasing economic freedom. And, and we do, I know this, this still probably sounds a little bit crazy to, to, to people who aren't, you know, uh, full believers of, of, of this new technology, but we think this does have, you know, life-changing, trajectory-changing uh, implications, uh, where if you can uh, use this technology, you can, you can circumvent traditional financial infrastructure, infrastructure that is, for most people on this planet, like at best ambivalent, uh, and in some cases, in many cases, exploitative, whereas the, this, this new technology is, is um, you know, it is just a protocol. There, there aren't any, yeah, yeah, I, I don't want to get too philosophical here, but, but yeah, I mean, we, we, we obviously we, we want to help in the form of, of sending uh, resources to to our recipients, but also we believe that getting them using and comfortable, getting them using the technology and comfortable with it will position them for you know great financial independence and more economic freedom in, in the medium to long term. Has, I know we touched on a, a couple of, and I'll sort of end here a little bit on on some of maybe the successes that that you've seen or maybe stories that, that sort of you've seen i know we kind of touched on a few different uh scenarios but are there are there others that come to mind that show the power of this yeah i mean there there 
there've been quite a few. Um, one thing, one area that we've done some fairly uh, high level so far because it's so new is 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 in El Salvador, um, and specifically in this in this town of El Zonte, which which was this this fishing village where uh, some credit the the Bitcoin law or some credit to be to the the origin of, of the country's Bitcoin law. Um, they've got about three thousand people, seventy percent of which are either have have a wallet on their own phone or have a phone in their household that has access to a wallet. Um, and they've already seen some interesting behavior, um, sort of like a, a Petri dish, if you will, of, <laughs> of, of crypto native behavior. One is uh, that, so so just if you've got a crypto wallet, you can you can either hold Bitcoin, in this case, they, they use Bitcoin in El Salvador, you can yep. use, or, or you can hold US dollars, which El Salvador became a US dollar based country 20 years ago. Um, and it's really interesting to see when someone decides to hold mm. Bitcoin and when they decide to hold mm-hmm. US dollars. Mm-hmm. And what, what they've seen is that, uh, big, as you sort of expect in, in hindsight, uh, or in retrospectively, Bitcoin is sort of like uh, a savings account or almost like an investment account. And for many of these people, it's the first time they've had a chance to invest in right. in any sort of any sort of an asset. And then and the dollars are more like a checking account. So if you know you're going to need the money uh, in the foreseeable hmm. future, you sell the Bitcoin, hold dollars. If not, you hold it as Bitcoin, and I think to a certain extent they're 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 hoping for or expecting some appreciation. Um, additionally, th- these are these are places where almost everybody's unbanked, and partially for that reason, there isn't great infrastructure just because it's really hard to collect payment uh, for that right. infrastructure. So one good example is internet service. There there are there are internet service providers, obviously in, in El Salvador. They generally focus on on much like financial services, they focus on on wealthier clients because that's where the money is. That's where you can make more money. But now that in this one particular town of El Zonte. Just about everybody has access to a crypto wallet. Mm-hmm. Um, the the just the administrative overhead of of running something like an ISP is uh, is is quite a bit less because you can you you can charge you you know you, you can receive payment over Lightning and there's this ISP that that's currently in, installing infrastructure around Ozone that's coming up with very creative billing mechanisms. Uh, kind of like the way a um, a pay a pay as you go mobile phone operator right, would work, right. you know, where you can buy you know a, a block of minutes or you can buy a month of service or whatnot. They're doing something similar with home internet, where you can buy, hmm. I believe it's it's by by the by the megabyte, by the day, by the week, by the month, and and that's that's actually you know not that's actually trivial to implement because you can they can accept payments uh, over Lightning for this, and you you can kind of buy as much as you need, and then. You know, if you're if you're if you're going out of town to work in a neighboring city, or or just frankly can't afford it for a few days, you can turn off the internet um, and then buy more when when you are able to afford it. You know, the, the technology opening up new ways for consumers to interact with businesses. Totally, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of, it, it's all these ancillary things and benefits that come from just the core functionality. You never know what mm-hmm. can what, what can happen. Um, yeah. Last question, real quick, was you said sort of like the debit and the savings and, and sort of you know USD. And, in BTC, is there is there another cryptocurrency out there that is being used or being given, or is Bitcoin just king, or or other sort of cryptocurrencies creeping into to people's wallets, and you see maybe that being used a little bit more as well? We're currency agnostic. We've used uh, about half a dozen different currencies. Okay. Um, we 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 view them as as protocols, as technologies. You know, much like there there are certain times when it's better to use TCP, and other times it's better to use UDP mm-hmm. for for you 
you know, the transfer of data over the internet. Um, we believe there are sometimes when it's better to use Bitcoin, sometimes it's better to use Ethereum, or even some sometimes it's better to use a stable coin. Um, we've used all of them uh, in, in in previous previous programs. The the names are sort of the usual suspects. You, you'd expect almost you probably just rank it by market cap and, and work your way right. down. So you know, Bitcoin's probably number one. Ethereum is probably number two. Some form of, of stable coin, you know, maybe above or below that, depending on on the use case. But yeah, we're, we're uh, we we really don't have an opinion on what, what coins better than the other. But we're, we're, you know, at the same time, I'm also quite empathetic to to those that have more uh, maximalist uh, <laughs> leanings uh, with, with you know, in their thinking. Well, I appreciate it so much, Joe. Th- thanks for taking the time. Uh, I know you're busy. So uh, I really, really appreciate you taking some time out your day to do this. Best of luck to you and the team in the future and, and just keep building. And it's, uh, it's pretty amazing what this stuff can do. So really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Really fun to talk. 